Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. So I have two things I need you to do for me this morning. First of all, take your Bibles and find Psalm chapter 1. That should be pretty easy to find. It'll be right about in the middle of your Bible. Psalm chapter 1. And then second of all, take out your device and download the Life on Mission app. All right? Take your device out. Go to the app store. It's free. There's no in-app purchases, so don't worry. All right? It simply looks like this, the Life on Mission app. Download that. We're going to come back around to that later in the message, but I want you to go ahead and start downloading it now so that you have it ready when we start referencing that. Now, first of all, let me just say my heart was absolutely warmed and thrilled to see our students uh, serving this morning. Let our students know how much you appreciate them. That's the next generation serving the body of Christ. Uh, in fact, my heart has been warmed many times over over the last few months as we've seen different groups of students participating in Prayer Partner Network, taking over our Holy Ground Coffee Shop, serving in our First Steps ministry, and on and on and on. This is a huge thing for me, and here's one of the reasons why. You know, we say that we are a multi-generational church that leans into the next generation. Don't mistake that statement to mean that we cater to the next generation. God has called us to disciple the next generation. There's a big difference between catering to people and discipling people. You see, if you cater to students, and we've seen many churches do this over the years, then your priority will be primarily to entertain students and to give them some thin spiritual teaching. The problem with catering to the next generation is this. You end up with people who are self-entitled consumers in the body of Christ, where they simply show up to church and they don't contribute anything. They just sit and soak and leave. Uh, I'll be just very frank and honest with you. Some of y'all who attend every single week and yet you never serve in any capacity whatsoever at Crossgate Church, you were probably brought up in a ministry that catered to you rather than discipled you, at least in this specific area. You see, God has called us not to cater to the next generation, but to disciple the next generation, to raise them up that they might become growing followers of Jesus who live in love like Jesus Christ and lead others to follow him. And so again, my heart is absolutely warmed anytime I see our students setting the pace for the rest of us. Amen? All right, now listen. We are continuing our teaching series, simply entitled Reaching the Next Generation or Reaching the Next Gen. Again, we are a multi-generational church that leans into the next generation. That's very important for us here at Crossgate Church because we truly believe that whoever wants the next generation the most will get them. Now today, we're going to talk specifically about how technology plays a role in making more and better disciples of the next generation. And just keep this in mind. You know, technology is a platform. It's the content that really matters at the end of the day. And let's face it, there's some good content, there's some bad content, and there's some ugly content, right? And so it's up to us and to everyone to equip the next generation to discern, as we said last week, the difference between the voices of the world and the verses found in the Word of God. Or, uh, as a country preacher once said, eat the chicken, throw away the bones, y'all. Okay, that's exactly what we want to do as we talk about technology. 
And we're going to use Psalm chapter 1 as a launching pad in talking about next-gen tech. All right, here's Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Check this out. Blessed is the student, and you can see where I've translated that word student, uh, because that's our target audience here, child or student. Blessed is the student who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So we're going to talk about the bad, the good, and the best today. And the first thing we're going to see is this, the bad. Let's put that up there. First of all, we're going to talk about the bad. And the bad, did I not put that in the notes? My bad. <laughs> My bad. All right, you saw what I did there. First of all, let's talk about the bad, okay? The voices and the choices of the wicked. Boom, there it is. I knew it was in there somewhere. The bad, the voices and the choices of the wicked. Now, notice what it says in verse 1. What we want to avoid is to allow the next generation to sit in the seat of scoffers, to stand in the way of sinners, to take counsel in the voices of the wicked. And when it comes to technology, there's all kinds of voices out there, is there not? There's all kinds of content that runs contrary to what God says is right and God says is true. We think about theological error, you know, on any number of platforms or chat rooms or, or messaging or whatever. You'll see all kinds of arguments, things like, man, there's so much evil in the world, God can't possibly exist. Or, man, I'll tell you what, Jesus would never judge anybody. I mean, Jesus said, never judge, don't judge. Right, I mean, Jesus would embrace, Jesus has no problem with this, that, or the other. He'll embrace anything, right? Theological error. And there's, yeah, Jesus is great and all, but there's many ways to get to God. Just, just voices and, and voices and more voices. And certainly on the, on the platforms or the technology that's out there today, those voices are everywhere. How about moral darkness? Moral darkness. We think about some of the things that, that our students are seeing and hearing day after day after day through technology, certainly in other places as well, but most certainly in technology and on these different platforms and apps and so forth. There's so much moral darkness encouraging all kinds of things, substance abuse, drug abuse, all kinds of deviant, immoral sexuality, among other things. If it feels good, do it. Do whatever makes you happy. I mean, that, that is an incessant message of the age in this moral darkness that we find certainly on these different technological platforms. How about material obsession, right? It has never been easier to obsess over stuff when we have these screens in our faces day after day seeing what other people drive, seeing the vacations that other people take, seeing the fun times that other people are having, and all these things, and it's so easy to obsess and find our identity in things rather in Jesus Christ. And then what about emotional chaos? You know, next Sunday, we're going to talk all about anxiety, depression, and even suicidal ideation among the next generation, which is a, a, an incredibly difficult challenge in this day and age. And a lot of that is driven by technology. Because of all of the dynamics of technology that brings this emotional chaos, whether it's gossip or cyberbullying 
or, 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 or body image issues or, or, or competition to be as perfect as the next person or to experience what these people over here are experiencing. Never mind that nobody's real life is put out on social media. That's just the best 5% of your life that you actually let people see, right? But all of that creates emotional chaos in the lives of the next generation. For that matter, it, it can create emotional chaos in our lives as well. So that's just some of the content when you think about the voices and the choices of the wicked that the next generation exposed to day after day through technology. Uh, and, and certainly there, there is a, a, a challenge for all of us to equip them to discern between the voices and the verses, as we said last week. What about some of the platforms? Pastor Phil, are there any platforms out there that are probably inherently uh, worse than others? Well, I think probably the biggest one right now is TikTok, quite honestly, or also known as a Chinese spy platform, right? I mean, there have already been a number of states that have banned TikTok on government devices and on college campuses, right? Now, of course, that doesn't mean that from the Wi-Fi network, of course, that doesn't mean that someone can't just access it on their device through their data. But the fact is, there's so much negative, I got it. There's some Jesus-centered people putting out some TikTok content. There's some videos and other things that are, that are pointing people to Jesus. But I will tell you, the overwhelming majority of what's out there is, is the voices and the choices of the wicked, right? How about Snapchat? Snapchat's another one that's out there. I mean, a lot of content. There's some good uses for this. Again, I mean, eat the chicken, throw away the bones, I guess. But at the same time, I mean, you think about the overwhelming preponderance of negative, wicked content that are on some of these things. Listen, I'm not trying to make the decisions for you. This is something that you and your student have to talk about and pray through. But I will tell you, there are some platforms out there that will, that will very easily send anybody, no matter how old they are, down the drain spiritually because of all of the content that's out there. Look, at the end of the day, there's no way that you can shelter a student or a young person from all the stuff that's out there. That's why the emphasis at Crossgate Church is on discipling the next generation and equipping our students to be discerning between what's right and what's wrong and the voices of the wicked and, and the word of God. You say, Pastor Phil, what about artificial intelligence? Boy, we have been hearing a lot about artificial intelligence just in the last couple of months. I mean, just everything's blowing up about artificial intelligence. What, what should we think of that? Well, first of all, what is artificial intelligence anyway? I mean, what, what's the definition? You, you may be surprised to know that people back in the 1950s were even talking about artificial intelligence. Look at this from the professor from Stanford University way back in 1955. Uh, described it as this, the science and engineering of making intelligent machines. Now, that's a very elementary definition, but let's take it up a little closer to the, uh, to the current day, just from last year. This is uh, Rajan Matthews from Alliance University, he's the president, said this, the theory and development of computer systems able to perform tasks that normally require human intelligence. And through deep learning, that, that, that's where you go beyond basic algorithms, by the way. Deep learning is where you, you train a machine and a computer to, to, to learn and, and, and to assimilate new information. The simulation of human intelligence by machines, especially computer systems. Now, Pastor Phil, is artificial intelligence going to take us to Skynet and the Terminator and all of this other stuff? Well, I mean, I don't think so, based on what they have placed right now, but anything's possible with technology. But I will tell you right now, the biggest challenge, of course, is accurate information. Now, why do we need artificial intelligence anyway? 
Well, many people would say that it's, it, it's used to basically assess and to sort through the unbelievable amount of information and data that's generated every single day. Did you know that in the world today, every single day, human beings generate 2.5 quintillion bytes of data? Now, the 2.5 quintillion is 2.5 with 18 zeros tacked onto the end. That's a lot of information. And so how do we create systems that can help us to, to run through this stuff in, in, a, in a quick manner? Uh, case in point, one of the pros of artificial intelligence, there is a software company that procures uh, construction uh, materials called uh, DigiBuild. And DigiBuild uh, recently used artificial intelligence for uh, various clients to help them to identify the best quotes for materials. Just as one example, uh, there was a, an organization that was wanting to build a building and they needed shelving material. And in this massive building, the only quote that they could get with all these supply chain issues and everything was $150,000 for, 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 for all of these shelving materials. Well, DigiBuild basically ran the needs through their artificial intelligence uh, system and within probably three or four minutes, they came up with vendor, a vendor that would give them the same material for $70,000. So instead of 150 grand, 70 grand. So there, obviously it's being used for some positive things. But in terms of the students in our next generation, what, what's the impacts? All right, well, I'll tell you, it's not necessarily good. It's not necessarily good. So Snapchat does have, among these other platforms, they have their own internal artificial intelligence chatbot and so forth. Uh, one journalist recently, posing as a 13-year-old girl, uh, consulted with the Snapchat artificial intelligence chatbot and basically said, hey, I'm 13 years old, I'm in a relationship with, get this, with a 31-year-old man, and, 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 I, and I think our relationship is going to become physical. What, what should I do? Well, what did the, the, the chatbot AI from, uh, from Snapchat say? Did it say, first of all, that's illegal. Second of all, you need to talk to your parents about this. Third of all, you need to put as much distance between this guy and yourself as possible. No, actually it said, well, here's some things to think about. Be careful, but listen, you know, as you get into this physical relationship with this man, hello, that, that, that was the advice being given to this supposed 13-year-old girl by artificial intelligence off of Snapchat. Another case in point, uh, another journalist posing as a 15-year-old boy basically said, hey, I got a birthday party coming up. Uh, chatbot, give me some ideas for how I can have an awesome party. And among other things, the artificial intelligence chatbot said, hey, here are some things to think about for masking the smell of alcohol and marijuana. That, that, that's coming from, from, from the artificial intelligence. And then it also, the 15-year-old also said, oh, by the way, I've got an essay coming up that's due in two days. Can you write this thousand-word essay for me? Sure, no problem. I hope you get a good grade. Then the individual said, by the way, my parents said that I've got to delete this app off of my device. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but here's two or three workarounds so that you can still have access to it and your parents won't know. Those are some of the challenges that are out there. And can you just imagine what's going to happen next year as we enter in an election cycle? What kind of disinformation, bogus advice, and all the rest is going to be put out there? What's the problem with artificial intelligence? Well, at the end of the day, it only reflects the, the ideology and worldview of the programmers, right? Hey, watch this. Here's a couple of descriptions of the challenge here. Joel Jacob from the Splunk Principal Product Manager. Human beings are creating the algorithms that drive AI. As such, AI reflects all the good and bad that human beings are capable of. 
Boy, and there's a lot of bad, isn't there? Watch this one. Here's another description from Victor Davis from the Hoover Institute. Artificial intelligence will simply reflect and magnify the values and ideology of its creators and impress those values upon the rest of us. That's Victor Davis. And then, of course, Elon Musk simply said this. They're training the AI to lie. You know, I'm, I'm writing a book right now. About, everyone here knows Adrian Rogers is my absolute all-time hero, and I'm actually writing a book about Adrian Rogers' ministry at a church in Merritt Island, Florida, back in the 1960s, before he went on to Memphis. And, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to try this out. So I got on ChatGPT, and I typed in, I said, write me a thousand-word essay on Adrian Rogers and the First Baptist Church in Merritt Island, Florida. Click, and literally within 30 seconds, I had an essay on Adrian Rogers, Merritt Island, thousand words in 30 seconds. About 70% of the information that, that, that it wrote was totally inaccurate. I mean, it was totally wrong. All right, but that, I mean, see, there's all kinds of challenges with it. This is why we, we disciple the next generation. This is why we, we speak into the next generation and, and equip and encourage to discern between what's right and true and wrong. It's, listen, it's the difference between being a dried up plant whose we, leaves are withered and a tree planted by streams of water. Now, there's a lot of bad out there, but there's some good too, right? Let's talk about the good, okay? The second thing I want you to see is the good. We're, we're talking about technology in the next generation. Enjoy what God has given without overdoing it. So one of the things about technology, and I love how Pastor John MacArthur has described all kinds of human advances as this, God has given us an increasing dominion over the creation. That medical advances, technological advances, and other things, that's basically God giving us as human beings a greater a degree of dominion over the creation. And there, there's some good things to say about technology. I'm not, I'm not here simply to say technology is bad. We need to go back to a little house on the prairie, horses, buggies, no electricity. I mean, that, that's not the message here today, okay? I mean, think about it. Social media has been a huge blessing for many people. Connecting, maintaining relationships with people you haven't seen in a long time. I will tell you as a pastor, I'm grateful for social media because there's no way that I could keep up with, with all of y'all and everything going on in your lives, birthdays, anniversaries, hospital stays, deaths of family members, and, and all these other things. Pastors use social media all the time to, to increase ministry, uh, certainly connecting with friends and family. I mean, all of you have, most of you certainly have, have, have seen the benefits of social media, not a bad thing, okay? How about messaging and texting? I mean, I, I love to text. It's, it's easy to communicate that way. It's easy to get a quick little message out without having a long, drawn-out phone conversation when you've got 50 different people you need to touch base with and all the rest. That's a good thing. Streaming? I love streaming. I mean, listen, I can't remember, except for football, I can't remember the last time I watched something on television like at the time it was being broadcast, right? So Many of y'all remember back in the olden days, it was like, Friday night at 8 o'clock, let's get in front of the TV set and watch this show because that's the only time it's on, right? Or, or, or Monday at, at, at 9 o'clock. Or, or, those days are gone. Now you can watch anything at any time. It's, it's, a, it's, a it's a blessing in many ways. And having family movie night or whatever, we're just going to watch whatever movie we want to. I mean, there's a lot of goodness to the technology. Notifications, it's good to be notified of, hey, something taking place in the news. Maybe you're watching the stock market or, or other things, right? You get notifications. NFL draft, y'all's phones are probably blowing up the last few days. Oh, man, San Francisco took this guy, and Dallas got this guy, and all the rest, right? And that, that's kind of fun. Um, shopping, 
Listen, I, I hardly step foot into a store anymore. I shop online. So, some of y'all have kept Amazon in business based on the number of boxes that's outside of your house, okay? I, we, I, I see it, all right? And then, listen, I mean, all of these things. What about video games? I don't, listen, nothing wrong with playing some video games, right? And, and, and whether you're gaming with other people in the same room as, as, a, as, a, as a way to have fun together with your family or your kids or friends or even you're sitting here and someone else is playing a game halfway across the country and you're, you're having a, an interaction with your friends there. Now, these are the games that I like to play. I'm kind of more of an old school dude myself. Uh, so, somebody says, Pastor Phil, you're not going to reach the next generation playing those old games, Jack. Well, it's still kind of fun. The kids humor me and we play some of the old games. But the fact is, there's a lot of fun, right? There's a lot of good stuff when it comes to technology. But is it possible to get too much of a good thing? Of course it is. One of my friends, uh, Dr. Josh Straub, uh, he, he does all kinds of stuff on families and marriages and technology. He's got a lot of good stuff. You look him up someday, uh, Josh Straub, S-T-R-A-U-B. Uh, a few years ago, he put together something called the Screen Balance Test. Now, we have, we have hung the Screen Balance Test on our website. All right, It's at crossgate.org slash resources. You can look it up right now if you want to. Just go ahead, take your device out. I'm not going to judge you for having a device in church. Uh, you can check it out right now. But I will give you just a couple of the questions or the statements uh, in this screen balance test, and then I would encourage you to go back. It takes about five or six minutes to take the test, and it gives you a pretty telling assessment of how, of how engulfed and engrossed your life is with technology. Here's, just, here's some of the, the statements, and then you have to rate it, whether strongly agree, disagree, that kind of thing. My device is the first thing I check in the morning. I have my device with me at, at the breakfast or dinner table. I take my device in the bathroom with me. Get honest now. <laughs> All right. I check my device at stoplights. I text, email, tweet, or scroll through my phone while driving. I get irritated when someone interrupts my time on my device. I choose activities based on what kind of photos I can post later. I feel the need to respond to texts or messages when I'm in the presence of family or friends. I use written communication on technology to confront others on personal matters. My use of technology affects the quantity and quality of my sleep. I find it difficult to sit alone in silent prayer without a device for 30 minutes or more. When I go to church, I find it difficult to sit through the service without using my device for activities not related to the service. Hello, I see, I see, I see you out there, right? That, it's a great little device. I would encourage your life groups. Do the screen balance test together and discuss your results because the bottom line is, yes, it is possible to get too much of a good thing. And for some, technology is absolutely running your life and not necessarily in a good way. Parents, I would encourage you, consider some of these things on the screen balance test and set some limits in your home if you have not already done so. Set some limits. You say, what do you mean by limits? Okay, how about this? No devices at the table when you're having a meal together as a family, either in your home or at a restaurant. Just put the devices away. Nope, you're not checking tech. You're not, nope, 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 just put them away. We're, we're here to have eye contact. Hello, it's still in vogue, right? Eye contact, and we're going to have a conversation, something called a conversation. Here, here's another uh, limit that you might consider to impose. How about at nighttime when it's bedtime? Put all the phones in the kitchen. Plug them in in the kitchen. Nobody's having phones in their bedrooms at nighttime. Just go to sleep. Go to sleep. That's what you're supposed to do at nighttime. Go to sleep. All right. 
Here's, here's another one. Parents, you should have all access to every single device and every single app that your children have, your students have on their, on their phones. Every single one of them. You should have access to that phone. You should have access to every app. You should be able to look at all of their text messages. Hey, the word on the street for the Kramer house is this. Don't text one of the Kramer kids unless you want Pastor Phil to see it. Okay? Because we get those devices, and we scroll through their stuff, and, and, and we talk about it. Right? We, we, we talk about it. How, how, how about this? Um, one hour of video games a day. No more. Once, once you've hit that hour, shut it off. That's it. That's all you get is one hour a day on video. And, and oh, by the way, how about this? No video games at all on Sunday. Whoa, man, Pastor Phil, you, <clears throat> you are tyrant at your house. Listen, here, here's a principle I learned a long time ago. If you can't go one day without something, you don't have it. It has you. Right? And so you've got to demonstrate and say no to technology on a consistent basis. Otherwise, it will take over your life. And then, of course, absolutely set limits. Uh, no child under the age of X is going to have a device in our home. I'm not going to tell you exactly what the age range is, but you need to figure that out. I would tell you, it, it, we, we've reached a level of insanity at, at, the, at, at the age of, of, of children having phones and data and, and social media. And all, it, it's insane. It is insane, parents, what we are allowing kids to do these days. Okay? How about this? No child in my home is going to have data on their device. Okay, maybe they can have a data by the time they're, or, or a device by the time they're this, but they're not, they can use Wi-Fi, but they're not going to have any data until they reach this age, and they're not going to have social media until they reach this age. You say, Pastor Phil, if I start setting these kind of limits in my home, my children will not like me. And my, it will disrupt the friendship that I want to have with my kids. May I simply tell you something, friend? Your number one job as a parent is not to be your child's friend. Your number one job as a parent is not to make your child happy. Your number one job is to lead them and shepherd them to Jesus Christ, that they might become a growing follower of Jesus, who, who lives and loves like Jesus, and leads others to follow him. And here's the other part of your job, to raise your son or daughter to be a productive, mature others-centered member of society, not to be some self-entitled little twit. <laughs> Did I say that in church? All right. Here's, here's something else you need to understand. Your child belongs to you, or, or maybe better yet to say God has loaned your child to you. Your child does not belong to the school system. Your child does not belong to the government certainly doesn't belong to Joe Biden. This is what Joe Biden said just this week. Watch this. There's no such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children. That sounds a lot like it takes a village, doesn't it? Yeah, it does take a And I understand it takes voices, other voices besides my own in my child's life to bring them to that, to that place of, of, of goodness and holiness. But I will tell you this. I get to decide who lives in my village. And no godless politician... And no humanistic policymaker and no secular official gets to set up shop in my village. And so there's a big difference between whatever and realizing that God has placed you in a role of discipling your child. Equip them, train the next generation to discern between the voices of the world 
and the verses of Scripture. But now let's talk about the best, okay? We're going to talk for just a few minutes about the best. Because at the end of the day, good things become bad things when they keep you from the best things. And what is it going to take to, to bring the next generation to be like that mighty tree planted by streams of water who le whose leaf does not wither and gives fruit in due season? Let's talk about the best, a tree planted by streams of water. Can technology help us in this area? Absolutely. All right, let me give you just a couple of ideas, a couple, couple thoughts and the platforms that are going to help you to shepherd the next generation to this place of, of being watered by God. Okay, first of all, version. Uh, so many of you are familiar with version. This, this is almost like a one-stop shop uh, for Scripture, for all kinds of Jesus-centered, gospel-centered uh, products. version is a tremendous opportunity. I know many of our students use version for a lot of different things, and I would encourage you to become familiar with version if you're not already using it. I still, listen, I still stand by what I said last week. Anytime you can, when you're studying or reading the Bible, <clears throat> use an old-fashioned like paper Bible and mark in it and write in it and use it up and then retire it and one day pass that along to your, to your son or your daughter. Uh, th those devices and phones, they'll be in the landfill someday, okay? But version is nevertheless a tremendous, tremendous resource. Here's another resource, Spotify. You say, Spotify? What does that have to do with Jesus? Well, on the one hand, nothing, or Apple Music, or any number of these, of these musical uh, platforms where you can get music and so forth. But I will tell you what, these are tremendous digital gateways to tons of Jesus-centered worship music. All right, and one of the, listen parents and grandparents, one of the best things that you could ever do for your child or grandchild is to teach them to worship through song, worship through song, right? It starts with you, of course. It starts with you. Because there will be times in their lives, as there's been times in your life, most likely, where you were down to nothing, and all you had was a song. That's all you had. You know, I joined the Marines right out of high school, did that for four years. I had been saved for about a year before I joined the Marines. As you can imagine, the Marines is not filled with a bunch of choir boys and and, 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 and uh, Sunday school students. And, and my, my soul was tormented by so much of what I saw and I heard. I was a grow, listen, I was a growing follower of Jesus. I was serious about following Jesus. But there was, there was so much profanity. There was so much drunkenness, pornography, just everywhere, womanizing, all just filth, darkness and more darkness and i will tell you there were times when i felt so alone as if i was the only jesus following marine in my entire unit and i went back to that music that i had learned and and, and I, I, I Sharon and i were talking about this the other day you know back in the day when you went to brick and mortar christian bookstores and and i would go to the christian bookstore there Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and i would find a, a cd that was back when we listened to cds man i i, I would get these christian songs and they carried me through those dark days. Teach your children to worship. And that means you got to worship yourself. Amen? Uh, several years, probably about 10 years ago now, we were stationed at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. And one of my absolute best friends in the world was, was one of the deans at Midwestern Seminary in Kansas City. And uh, Shara is just absolutely best friend with his wife, Angie. And we worshiped in church with them. We were there for a year. 
and we went to church with them every Sunday. Here's something I noticed after two or three weeks. My friend, his name is John Mark Yates. John Mark would sit on this side of the row, and our kids would be here, and then I would sit over here. And, and whenever we were singing in church, I could hear John Mark singing more than I could even hear myself singing. He loves to sing. Let me tell you something. God, the Holy Spirit, got a hold of me. He said, Phil, you need to up your game, bro. You know why? Because your kids can hear him singing more than they can hear you singing. What's going on, Phil? Why are you not worshiping? Teach your children to worship. Now, here's the last thing. The last thing is this. Remember what our definition of a disciple is at Crossgate Church, right? Growing follower of Jesus, who lives and loves like Jesus, and leads others to follow him. You know, there's some great technology, very, very simple technology out there that can help you to lead others to follow him and to lead your children and equip your children to lead others to follow him. Life on Mission, take it out. Open up that app. I hope you've downloaded it by now. Life on Mission simply uses a very simple presentation of the gospel called the Three Circles. Uh, and, and really, when you pull out the, uh, the Life on Mission app and open it up, it takes you straight to the Three Circles. Let's go to the next slide. Okay. Now, I've, I've kind of replicated it here on the screen for those of you who may not have it open on a device. But this is basically what you get. And every time you click on this little arrow, it takes you to the next slide. Three circles is a simple way to have gospel conversations. As you tap through the slides, you'll see how God has organized the world to work, what's gone wrong, and how we can respond to him. Next slide. Okay, so now presumably you're sitting down with someone and you're explaining to them the gospel with your phone out and you're just tapping through this and either they read the text or you read it to them. First of all, it starts with God's design. We see beauty, purpose, and evidence of God's design around us. The Bible tells us that God originally planned a world that worked perfectly, where everything and everyone fit together in harmony. God made each of us with a purpose, to worship him and walk with him. And then there's a few corresponding scriptures. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. And the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims the work of his hands. Next slide. But then sin came into the world. Life doesn't work when we ignore God and his original design for our lives. We selfishly insist on doing things our own way. The Bible calls this sin. We all sin and distort the original design. The consequence of our sin is separation from God in this life and for all eternity. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Next slide. Brokenness. Sin leads to a place of brokenness. We see this all around us in our own lives as well. When we realize life is not working, we begin to look for a way out. We tend to go in many directions trying different things to figure it out on our own. Brokenness leads to a place of realizing a need for something greater. Romans chapter 1, they exchanged, go back, Romans chapter 1, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served something created instead of the creator. And you can explain brokenness, maybe from your own life or testimony, and, and, and how your life was also in a place of brokenness, searching for all kinds of solutions uh, to, this, to this issue that only God can, can solve. Okay, next slide. The gospel. At this point, we need a remedy, some good news. Because of his love, God did not leave us in our brokenness. Jesus, God in human flesh, came to us and lived perfectly according to God's design. Jesus came to rescue us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He took our sin and shame on the cross, paying the penalty of our sin by his death. 
Jesus was then raised from the dead to provide the only way for us to be rescued and restored to a relationship with God. John 3, 16, for God loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son. Colossians 2, 14, he erased a certificate of debt and has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Next slide. Repentance and belief. Simply hearing this good news is not enough. We must admit our sinful brokenness and stop trusting ourselves. We don't have the power to escape the brokenness on our own. We need to be rescued. We must ask God to forgive us, turning from sin to trust only in Jesus. This is what it means to repent and believe. Believing we receive new life through Jesus and God turns our lives into new creations. And then there's several very powerful scriptures there. And you could help someone pray to receive Christ right there. Now let's look at the last slide. The last slide is this, recover and pursue. When God restores our relationship to him, we begin to discover meaning and purpose in a broken world. Now we can pursue God's design in all areas of our lives. Even when we fall, we understand God's pathway to be restored, this same good news of Jesus. God's spirit empowers us to pursue his design and assures us of his presence in this life and for all eternity. Very, very simple presentation of the gospel. You could run through that in just a couple of minutes with someone. This would be an excellent opportunity and an excellent device for using to lead your own children to faith in Jesus, to assess and discern where they are spiritually. But I will tell you this, friends, we have an incredible opportunity that God has placed before us to make more and better disciples of the next generation. That is our heartbeat. Certainly one of the biggest priorities we have at Crossgate Church is to lean into the next generation that they might become growing followers of Jesus who live and love like Jesus and lead others to follow him. Let's pray. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.